yes, and we say amen. So to the promise of healing, God says yes, and we say amen. It says we agree with that. So God says yes, and we say, God says yes, and we say, God says yes, and we say, amen. Thank you, Lord. Reach for your Bibles this morning, please, if you don't mind, quickly. Pastor Tony, thank you today, this choir and this worship team and these musicians. We are blessed at Pulaski Church of God to have these singers and musicians that we have that lead us into the presence of God every single Sunday. The book of Mark, chapter number 16. I'm going to invite you to turn there, and then I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you don't mind, please. I'm going to read one passage of Scripture. go back is that first slide can we go back to that first slide please was that is that the first slide that's on there I guess it must be I thought there was a there we go I want to take the next couple of Sundays this Sunday and next Sunday during the summertime I like to do little mini series because folks are in and out so much I don't like to to stretch them too long usually I'll do a series four weeks is about the most I can do because my attention span is really short so about four weeks is all I can take. That's probably all you can take. But in the summertime, I like to do these little mini-series, and I want to take the next couple of Sundays and preach a couple of sermons around uh, this theme, One Nation Under God. And uh, I want to begin this morning uh, this sermon series and preach this week and then again next week on that thought. Now let's go to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, please. Very familiar passage of Scripture. You can find it in your Bible, electronic device, or on the screens. And these are the words of Jesus. These are his final words just before he's going to ascend to heaven. He's been crucified on the cross, buried in a tomb, raised up on the third day, walked this earth for 40 days, showed himself alive, the Bible said, by many infallible proofs. And if someone I love is getting ready to depart from me, I want to hear, Brother Turpin, everything they say, especially if it's their final words. And Jesus says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world. Somebody say the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. This book right here is good news to a lost, a hurting, and a confused world. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want to take a few moments this morning. I want to speak to us on this thought. What in the world are we going to do? What in the world, in quotes, in the world, what in the world are we going to do? Could we pray quickly and then I'll let you be seated. Father, thank you today for the power of the Word of God. Thank you that it still has the power to change hearts and to change lives. And I'm asking today, Father, you would give us revelation, knowledge of your Word. Help us to grasp and comprehend and understand this wonderful, wonderful truth that you have for us in Scripture today. Bless the ears of the people to hear. 
their eyes to see. God, touch me to articulate and communicate truth in the way that you've laid it on my heart. We bless you for it and thank you in Jesus' name. The church said amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. Pastor Tony, thank you. Let me begin by saying that when we pillowed our heads last Friday night after the Supreme Court had made its ruling that legalized same-sex marriages in all 50 states, it was not at that moment that we found ourselves in a difficult and a, on a slippery moral slope. This world has been in spiritual and moral decay and decline for some time. So it didn't just get this way, and I'm not preaching this as a knee-jerk reaction to something that happened. We've been headed in a wrong direction for a long time. But in light of the Supreme Court's recent ruling. I just felt compelled to take the next couple of Sundays and talk about our nation and more than that to talk about our response and our responsibility that we have as Christians and as the church. I believe that we have before us one of the greatest opportunities that we have ever had in our lives to show the love of Jesus Christ and to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost, a hurting, and a confused world. I don't believe we have ever had an opportunity like we have right at this very moment that we are living in in this country right now. It is no secret that our nation, our culture, and our society continues to inch ever closer to stepping off the side of a very slippery moral slope that we have been standing on for a very long time. And when it comes to truth, as Christians, we must not, we cannot afford to be silent when it comes to the truth of God's Word. Now, most of us in here, I'd say the majority of us in here this morning, we look at life through the lens of a biblical world view. Here's what I mean by that. A, a worldview, just a, a, a worldview, a plain worldview, taking the Bible out of the equation, is simply the framework by which we view reality. It is how we tend to make sense of life and the world. We look at it through a worldview. But a biblical worldview is based on the infallible Word of God. A biblical worldview is based on the trustworthiness of God's Word. Some time ago there was a survey that was done 
that ask the question, do you have a biblical worldview? There were several questions that were asked to born-again Christians. Some of the questions were, uh, do you believe that moral absolute truth exists? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is Satan for real? Is Scripture completely accurate in its teachings? And you would be shocked to know this morning that only 9% of born-again Christians answered yes to those questions and several other questions just like that. 9% of born-again Christians believe that Scripture is completely accurate in its teachings. 9% of born-again Christians, only 9% believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. That's troubling to me. Because everything that we do in life should be viewed through the truth of the Word of God. Now I would be less than honest with you this morning if I did not tell you that I was a little concerned, a lot concerned, and even a little bit scared about the direction that our nation is headed at this moment. Now listen, I, I, I am very careful about jumping into to current issues. I, I try to steer clear of political viewpoints and political speeches. Matter of fact, I always steer clear of political viewpoints and political speeches in this pulpit. I am, I'm not on a quest today to be trendy and and, and culturally relevant as it, as it concerns where we are as a nation right now. But this is about truth today. This is about the responsibility that we have as Christian people. Listen, I, I'm not here today to target the gay community. I'm not here today to, to target same-sex marriages. But this is about biblical values it's about morals and it's about truth and it is about our responsibility because whether you know it or not at this moment in time, if the church and Christian people have ever had a responsibility, we have one right now at this present time that we're living in. Because here's the truth. There is no such thing as big sin or little sin. Sin is sin. And all sin separates us from God. Man, if you came to have your ears tickled, you're in the wrong building this morning. And I feel really bold today, and it could be bad by the time we're done. Because here's a problem that we have. We, we want to get in pulpits, and we want to get on. These folks, want, these preachers want to get on TV, and we want to get in, in the community. And we want, to, we want to just harp on this gay marriage thing. And yes, it's wrong, and yes, it's a sin, but I, I'm not sure how we got to the place that we seem to categorize sin. Oh, God, help me right here. And if we're going to preach about the sin of gay marriage, let's preach about the sin of heterosexuals that shack up and live outside the covenant of marriage. Because the last time I read this Bible, sin is sin. Oh, make me preach today. I feel God touching me right here. We don't want to talk about the sin of gossip. 
And we don't want to talk about the sin of lying and the sin of stealing. And well, Pastor, it sounds like to me you're condoning it. I'm not condoning or excusing anything. But stop categorizing sin. Sin is the same in God's eyes. If you weren't mad before you got here, you might be when you leave. And we should not be confused. Or not, the world should not be shocked, rather, by the things that are happening. We shouldn't be. Because the Bible told us in 2 Timothy 3.1 in the last days that perilous times were coming. The word perilous there means dangerous or difficult times. We knew that these days were going to be like this. I mean, Paul told Timothy, this is how it's going to be in the last days. But here's what I believe. The power of God can still change hearts and lives. The power of God can still deliver and set free and break bondages. Paul wrote in the book of Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This book has been working for thousands of years. It's not going to just stop working because of where society is headed. God is still able to touch and change the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. But we have become almost oblivious to the immorality and the sin that is running rampant in the world today. Can I come down here and preach I mean, Jesus said in Luke 17 that as it was in the days of Lot, so it would be in the coming of the Son of Man. Lot was the nephew to Abraham. And Lot settled, the Bible tells us, in a place called Sodom. And Sodom was known for its wickedness. It was known for its evil. It was known for its immorality. As a matter of fact, God destroyed that nation by fire Because of the sin and for the sin of homosexuality. Now, Pastor, you you need to be careful. You know, because they're talking about hate crimes now. And they're talking about, you know, coming to take the 501c3 of a church. And if you you preach like this, you can no longer be tax-exempt. I'll put it in the mail and send it to them. I don't care about a 501c3, but I do care about the truth of the Word of God. Let God be true in every man alive. Listen, they can call it hate crime. They can take my credentials. Listen, they can try to silence the voice of the church. But I'm telling you, I believe that Jesus said, I will will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it as long as there's breath in this body as long as there's a sound in this voice box I've made up my mind I will stand on the truth of the word of God I will preach the unadulterated infallible inerrant word of the Lord this book is truth hallelujah I'll come on and praise him if you're glad about the truth of his word today What was it like in the days of Lot? The Bible says they were eating and drinking. They were buying and selling. They were building and farming. Up until the very day that God had to lead Lot out of Sodom before he rained fire down. 
And Jesus said in that time it was business as usual. And he said right before he comes back, Jesus said, that's how this world is going to be. It's just going to be as if nothing has happened. Folks will continue just going on and doing what they've always done, acting like the world is okay. I've got news for you. Everything is not okay. And everything is not going to be okay. Now, I'm going to make a statement right here. And it's not a political statement. It's the truth. When, when the leader of our nation can celebrate and can affirm a decision of ungodliness and unrighteousness and can tell us that, that justice came raining down like a thunderbolt. That bothers me. Lord, I really need to be careful right here. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm just thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me wisdom to keep my mouth shut about some things. <clears throat> because the responsibility that we have as Christians is to pray for the leaders of our country. It's not time to slander them. It's not time to run their name through the mud. But it is okay to stand up and say, listen, I, I, I don't agree with the morals and values that our country is preaching. Yeah, but pastor, he got up and sang Amazing Grace. Big deal. I shouldn't have said that. I'm trying to be careful. We have a responsibility. And you can sing songs and say what you want to say all day long, but it's a matter of the heart. It would be business as usual. And we are living right now in a time that's become business as usual. I'm really trying to tread real softly here because I don't want to cross the line and I want to be careful about the truth that I'm preaching today. This is not a time for the church and Christians to spew hate and sling criticism against anybody from the White House or anywhere else. The world does not need us right now to be people that are full of hate and anger Listen, now is not the time for us to, to back down from the truth and be silent either. It is a time for us to stand for the truth of the Word of God. It is time for us to speak the truth of God's Word in love. It is time for us to shine our light in a dark world. We've been commissioned by God to be the salt and the light of the earth. It's time for the church to stand up and preach and proclaim and practice love. And you don't have to agree with everything that's happening right now. I certainly don't, Brother Turpin. I wholeheartedly disagree and stand against the decision of our Supreme Court. I, and I don't care if they're Democrat, Republican, independent, independent Tea Party, or anything else. I disagree. I disagree with the verbiage 
and the stance that our president has taken. I disagree with that. I'm entitled to, and so are you. But now is not the time for us to find some public platform and condemn people to hell and look down our nose at them. Now is the time for us to proclaim the good news that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Are you all right this morning? As concerned as I am about the nation, I'm a little more concerned about the church. Because we have this pharisaical... It's bad when I feel like this, Brother James, thanks. I just kind of got a mean streak on me today. This self-righteous look down our nose and it's an us against them mentality. It's not us against them. I mean, if we don't proclaim the truth, who's going to? If we don't show love, who's going to? If we don't help people know, hey, this is, this is contrary to the word of God and you're living outside the covenant of God's word, who's going to tell them if we don't? So let me talk just for a few moments about our initial reaction to sin and to what's happening. And listen, I'm not just preaching this because of what happened in the Supreme Court. We've been headed this direction for a long time. And you realize that over the course of the last year that ISIS has killed 3,027 people, 74 of them being children? 8,000 people a year are martyred for their faith? I mean, this nation's been headed, in, 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 headed south for a long time. But what's, what, what my concern is is that we're just going to kind of get comfortable and get used to the darkness around us. You know, have you ever been in a room before and you turn the light out, especially in a hotel room, and it's pitch black? There's no light anywhere and you can't see your hand in front of your face. But if you lay there long enough, you get accustomed to the surroundings. You get accustomed to the darkness and your eyes can start to, to, to see things. I'm concerned that if we're not careful as the church, not Pulaski Church of God, but the body of Christ, we're going to get used to the dark and comfortable with what's happening around us. We can't get comfortable right now. You can't just say, well, that's just how it's going to be, Pastor. We don't have a choice. Yes, we do. Well, you're awfully quiet this morning. Listen, the initial reaction to sin, for me, it's anger and frustration. I mean, when I, when I watched the, the news feed the other Friday and I watched the, the celebration, it bothered me. When I watched them light up the White House in rainbow colors, it bothered me. When I watched them light up the Magic Kingdom at Disney World in rainbow colors celebrating the decision, that bothered me. And anybody who loves God, anybody who loves the truth, Lord, i got to hurry, who loves the truth of God's Word, that should bother you. But what we need is not anger and frustration, but a righteous indignation that will lead to action on our part. You realize when Jesus walked into the temple and he saw the money changers exploiting the poor and taking advantage, you know what he did? 
He didn't come in and go, oh my, it's just how it's going to be. No, he didn't do that. He turned over tables, Aunt B. He cracked the whip. He drove out the money changers. It stirred him. Listen, unborn babies being murdered should stir us. Human sex trafficking should stir us. Grown men selling little girls into sex slavery should stir us. Racial tension and racism, it's a sin right straight from the pit of hell. It should stir us. The elderly and little children being abused should stir us. Same-sex marriage and the defilement of the Word of God should stir us. But it should stir us and lead us to an action called prayer to pray for men and to pray for women and to pray for victims of these things and to ask God to touch them and to change them and to save them. Number two, what's the intelligent response towards sin? It's demonstration, not condemnation. A demonstration of God's love and grace. Not a condemning, demeaning spirit of hate and anger. The world doesn't need the church to condemn and to hate them right now. That's not what the world needs. And listen, just because we show love doesn't mean we condone anything. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Where's the love God demonstrated toward you? Should we not demonstrate that same love to a world that needs it? I understand being righteously indignant. I understand being frustrated. I understand having a passion for what's right. But in the name of what's right and in the name of passion, you cannot hate people and condemn people to hell. Listen, the word of God will do the work. I know maybe you wanted to come here and shout today and have a big time. I'm going to give you some truth. We should care enough about people who are blinded to, their, to the sin and, and that are bound by sin to confront them in a spirit of love. Love. Love works. Love wins. Love will always prevail. Listen, the cross screams love and it worked 2,000 years ago and love will still work today and love should be the driving force that should motivate us to say listen what you're doing is not right but God loves you Jesus died for you and he's got a plan for your life he can change your heart I wish I had time I don't have time to talk to you about the woman caught in adultery Caught in the very act and drug out of bed by the religious leaders and stood before Jesus. And they go listing down the, the line, listing her sins. Jesus is scribbling in the dirt while they're talking. He never looked up. I love the story. I wish I had time. And they said, Lord, the law says that she should be stoned. Buried to her neck. Boulders dropped on her head, her skull crushed for the sin of adultery. That's what the law says. What do you say, Jesus? And without even looking up, I love it. It's almost, I don't know, I may ask him when I get there if I think about it, like he was toying with him a little bit. 
it's almost as if he was saying, you know what, I, I just, I don't have time for your nonsense. And he's just, it'd be like you coming to my office and laying out all the faults of somebody, me just writing, not even looking up. Well, I've had people through the years sit across my desk in places and tell me how people should be punished more for their sin. I'm not kidding you. And how bad they are. And they haven't, they haven't got the punishment they deserve. I had, I had somebody, not here, but in my, in my, in my time of ministry, Young lady pregnant outside of wedlock and one of the elders, quote unquote. I told you I feel mean today. I'm sitting down because I'm tired, so that's the only reason I'm sitting down. I tell you why I'm tired, because Sister Coke had us to dinner last night, and I sinned. I ate more than I've ate in a long time. I've been miserable since I left her house. It's her fault. <clears throat> God, help me. I needed a forklift to get me in the car last night. And this is completely off topic. And then she sends home the chocolate cake with us. And I had two pieces for breakfast. I'm still miserable. I wasn't even done from last night. And I feel as miserable now as I did then. With two cups of milk, by the way. And then we'll go eat lunch when we're done. Anyway. You know, camp time. We've got to eat camp food next week. It's horrible. I gotta, I, I'm like a camp. I'm going to store good food in my hump till camp's over. So Jesus is writing. I've had, I've had people. Had him tell me that. She needs to be punished more, Pastor. She hasn't gotten what she deserved. Now, you talk about righteous indignation. I, righteous indignation. I looked across the desk. I said, are you kidding me? I said, are you serious? And I said it just like that because I was about 28 at the time and young and dumb. Now I'm 39 and I'm old and dumb. And I said, are you joking me? I mean, he was on my counsel. Are you serious? Yes, I am. I said, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you and I would both be burning in hell right now. And I said, and furthermore, and I leaned up on my desk because I was aggravated. I said, I made an executive decision to restore her after being off a year. And as far as I'm concerned, this discussion is over. Never bring it up again. Thank you. Have a nice day. I'm not trying to be arrogant. Oh, Pastor, you just carry a heavy stick. I just was sickened by that. We might not have to put this podcast up. <laughs> I'm a close. And Jesus says, while he's still writing in the dirt, uh, you who have no sin, cast the first stone. And as his head is still down, still scribbling in the dirt, he hears thud, thud, thud. Thud, stones dropping. And he looks up and he says, where are your accusers? Lord, I, I don't have any. Now watch this. Tony, come play. Hurry. I, I need to, if you don't play, I'll never stop. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Now, now listen, it was not Jesus saying, I condone you. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go, you ready? And sin no more. You know what he was saying? Neither do I judge thee guilty. But I'm telling you, you can't keep living like this. You got to change your life. Was she guilty of the sin of adultery? Sure she was. But Jesus showed what? Grace. 
But listen, grace does not give you a license to live however you want to live, by the way. Well, that's the best thing I've said all morning in the last 30 minutes. Well, it's the grace of God. Neither do I condemn it. Yeah, but he said, listen, go and sin no more. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Yeah, but God's grace is sufficient, so I can, I can live with my boyfriend or girlfriend. It's okay. God will forgive me. Don't fool yourself with that kind of attitude. The grace of God will we'll forgive you. The love of God will take care of it. But you can't openly and blatantly just insult God with that. Well, it don't matter because God's grace is enough. Go and sin no more. You can't keep living like that. You know what Jesus told us? Jesus told us to love our what? Love our neighbor. That didn't mean that you get to choose who you love and who you don't love. Well, I'll love my neighbor, and I'll just love the, the select few that I think deserve it. That's not what Jesus meant. Love your neighbor means that you love everybody. Now, there's some people that are hard to love. You better believe it. And here's the truth. You've got to love everybody to get to heaven, but you don't have to like everybody. I'm not getting no help in here. Here's the truth, Brother Turpin. I like preaching to you because you just, you just seem a lot nicer than some folks I'm looking at. There's some folks I don't like. There's some folks you don't like? Yeah, there you go. There's some folks, Pastor Jeremy, I don't like being around them. Now, you're not one of them. I like you. But it's not a matter of liking. Jesus said, love your neighbor. You don't get to pick and choose who you love. We love everybody. Pastor, what's going to happen when people maybe start coming to our church and and, and they're not like us? Here's my first thought. Why would anybody want to walk into a church nowadays because of the condemning, critical, judgmental spirit the church has? Pastor, what if we have, you know, two lesbians walk in. And I want to say back to you, do you really think they would walk into a church right now the way some Christians have acted? I wish they would. What are you going to do, Pastor? We're going to let them sit on our pews and worship with us. I don't know if I can accept that, Pastor. You probably don't want to stay here. And we're going to let people of that kind of lifestyle worship with us Pastor, what are we going to do if a person walks in and they, they smell like alcohol and they've been drunk the night before and they just reek of alcohol and they're, 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 they're not clothed right and they smell, what are we going to do? We're going to sit on the pew, we're going to worship with them, we're going to love them, we're going to tell them the truth. But I'm not convinced that anybody like that would walk into the churches in America today. That's a pretty heavy indictment, isn't it? But it's the truth. And I'm saying, God, if you think you can trust this church, don't just send them. God, open doors for us to engage them in our culture and talk to them and love them and show them Jesus. Let them come that way. God, if you think you can trust us, and I hope you can, we are open door to anybody and everybody from this community that wants to come in and sit on these pews and worship with us and we will not condemn them. We'll love them and embrace them 
and we'll show them a better way based on the word of God. Come on, stand with me. So what should be the, the, the inner feeling? Last point. The inner feeling toward those that are lost. If our heart's ever going to change, our perspective has to change. The heart of the church has to change about this world. I'm not telling you to embrace the world. I'm not telling you to love the world and what they're doing. But I am telling you the love of Christ should flow out of us that we embrace people that need Jesus. going to change. Our perspective has got to change. Listen, the people in this world that are lost, they are not our enemy. They're not our enemy. Because the very same God that created us in our image, He created everybody else that's far away and lost. It's the same image of God. Pastor, why are you preaching this today? Because I'm telling you, this is the society we're living in right now. Immorality is being promoted. The gay lifestyle is being promoted. Racism is being promoted. It's being celebrated. Those acts that took place in Missouri and Baltimore and all the looting, the rioting that happened, it should grieve our hearts. We had a civil war a couple hundred years ago and the rate that we're going, we're liable to see another one. tell you, I hate prejudice. I hate it. It sickens me. And God help us that the day would ever come. Pastor, it's like you got an axe to grind. No, i got a truth to preach. That we ever treat anybody different because of their skin color. It is a sin. on my soapbox, I'm going to stay on it. Why in the world would this be the most segregated hour in America? But it's on Sunday mornings. It's the most segregated hour in, the, in America on Sunday mornings. God help us. I'm going to close with this story. It says, for those who endured it, the summer of 1980 in Miami was nothing to smile about. The Florida heat scorched the city during the day and baked it at night. Riots, looting, and racial tension threatened to snap the frayed emotions of the people. Everything soared, unemployment, inflation, the crime rate, and especially the thermometer. Somewhere in the midst of it all, a Miami Herald reporter captured a story that left the entire Gold Coast breathless. It was the story of Judith Bucknell, attractive, young, successful, and dead. Judith Bucknell was homicide number 196 that year. She was killed on a steamy June 9th evening. Age 38, weighed 109 pounds, stabbed seven times, and strangled. She kept a diary. Had she not kept this diary, perhaps the memory of her would have been buried with her body, but the diary exists, a painful epitaph to a lonely life. The correspondent made this comment about her writings. In her diaries, Judy created a character and a voice. The character is herself, wistful, struggling, and weary. The voice is yearning. Judith Bucknell has failed to connect. Age 38, many lovers, much love offered, none returned. Her struggles, struggles weren't unusual. She worried about getting old, getting fat, getting married, getting pregnant, and getting by. She lived in stylish Coconut Grove. Coconut Grove is where you live if you're lonely but act happy. 
Judy was the paragon of the confused human, human being. Half of her life was fantasy, half was nightmare. Successful as a secretary, but a loser at love. Her diary was replete with entries such as the following. Where are the men with the flowers and champagne and music? Where, where are the men who call and ask for a genuine actual date? Where are the men who would, like, who would like to share more than my bed, my booze, my food? I would like to have in my life, once before I pass through my life, the kind of sexual relationship which is part of a loving relationship she never did. Judy was not a prostitute. She was not on drugs or on welfare. She never went to jail. She was not a social outcast. She was respectable. She dogged. She hosted parties. She wore designer clothes and had an apartment that overlooked the bay. And she was very lonely. I see people together and I'm so jealous I want to throw up. What about me? What about me, she said. And though surrounded by people, she was on an island. Though she had many acquaintances, she had few friends. Though she had many lovers, 59 in 56 months, she had little love. Who's going to love Judy Bucknell, the diary continues. I feel so old, unloved, unwanted, abandoned, used up. I want to cry and sleep forever. A clear message came from her aching words. Though her body died on June the 9th from wounds of a knife, her heart died long before from loneliness. I'm alone, she wrote, and I want to share something with somebody. Judy Bucknell's a picture of the world today. People that are hurting, that are broken, that are unloved, unwanted, desperately in need a message of hope, desperately in need of someone to love them. You know who carries that message? The church. We do. What in the world are we going to do right now at this time in our culture and in our world? I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to fall on our faces before God and repent. And listen to me. Secondly, we're going to ask the Father to give us opportunities to show His love to a hurting and a broken world. And thirdly, we're going to love people until we cannot love them no more. We're going to love them enough to look at them in a spirit of love and compassion and say, listen, here is the truth and here's what God says. God has a better way. God has a better plan. God has a purpose. Let me tell you about what God wants to do in your life. And we're going to wrap our arms around this world. We're going to wrap our arms around society and we're going to love them. We're going to weep with them. We're going to cry with them. We're going to speak the truth in love to them and we're going to watch God change their lives. I want to get ahead of myself as far as next week goes, but I want to tell you do you believe that these are the last days? Anybody you believe that we're living in the last days? You believe Jesus could come at any moment? You believe, I believe the world's going to get worse. But what did he say? Uh, it's going to be as, as it was in the days of Lot. It's going to be bad. But I also read somewhere that in the last days, he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out. my son, I believe that before this thing completely wraps up, I believe it's going to get bad. I believe it's going to be some dark days. But in the midst of that, I still believe what Joel prophesied about. There is a last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is coming to the world. It's coming to the church. Oh, God, send the Holy Spirit back to the church again so we can reach a lost world. Now your heads close your eyes just for a moment. Would you do that this morning? Please quickly, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to this moment right now. Father, I want you to touch us today as the church. We've got something God the world needs, and it's the message of hope.
I want to just ask today, if you're in this place, you say, Pastor Gore, I'm here today. And I hear you talking about everything in this Jesus and the love and the hope. And I'm here today, Pastor. I don't have any hope because I don't have Jesus in my life. Would you pray for me? If you're here, would you just raise up your hand and put it down, Pastor? Pray for me. I want Jesus in my heart today. Anybody? Pastor, I want Christ in my life today. Anybody? If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, I, I want God to use me. I want God to use me to be hope and to be light and to be salt to this world. Pastor, I want God to use me right where I am in Pulaski or Radford or wherever it may be. Pastor, I want God to use my, my mouth and my hands and my feet. I want God to touch my heart. Pastor, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to help people find hope. Come on, I want you just to raise up your hands in this place. Right where you are, everybody, that will do this. And we're going to leave in just a moment. Raise up both your hands toward God right now. And I want you to say, Lord, here I am. 